Psalm 77. And when you find that, please stand. Psalm 77. Let's begin reading with verse number 11. The Bible says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. I want to bring a message on the God that doest wonders. Verse 14. Thou art the God that doest wonders. Let us pray. Now, precious Heavenly Father, as I bow in your presence, I thank you, Lord, for another privilege to preach. Thank you for the Word of God. I'm glad, Lord, that I don't have to preach my ideas today, but I have a book to preach. And help me, Lord, to stick with the Bible and to proclaim what thus saith the Lord. I pray for wisdom and understanding. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to communicate the message in an effective way. You know every heart, you know every need. I pray you'd meet those needs today. Work by your mighty power in hearts and lives, and I'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Isaiah said in Isaiah 9, verse 6, His name shall be called Wonderful. Among other names that are listed there, such as Counselor, the Mighty God, and so forth. But his name is wonderful, and the psalmist here says that he is a God that doeth wonders. Verse 13, he says, Who is so great a God as our God? The distinguishing mark between the God of the Christians and the God of others is that our God is a God of wonders, and none can be compared to him. He is a God that is alive. Uh, he's not a symbolic figure. He's not uh, uh, an idol. He is the living God. Now we see his wonders, and there's many things I could talk about today, but let me talk about three in particular. First of all, the wonder of creation. Uh, I never cease to be fascinated by the creation of God and how that man could believe that all this just happened on its own. I, I can't understand how that anyone can believe that. The complexity of uh, the creation of God, of the, of the universe, of the earth, of, of man, uh, and all this tells me there is a master, designer, and creator. Take the human body, for instance. The human body is so complex that uh, that we have doctors who specialize in just treating one part of the body because there's so much knowledge and so much to know uh, that uh, you have brain doctors and you have heart doctors and you even have feet doctors that do nothing but care for the feet, specialists. Doctors of the eyes and uh, of the ear and, and all that, uh, the complexity. Now, to believe that all this just one day just happened, 
Uh, doesn't make a lot of sense to me, does it you? It tells me that uh, there had to be a creator. Somebody had to design it. Somebody had to create it. And we know that somebody is God. The Bible opens in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The book God gave us opens with that truth, that God is the creator, the creator of, of earth, the creator of the universe, the creator of man, the creator of plants, the creator of animals, everything God created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, if you think that's amazing, how did he do it? That's the thing that amazes me is how that, that God, the manner in which God performed this creative act. Hebrews 11.3 says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now, that amazes me is that God, God could speak it all into existence. That's a great God, and no one of the psalmist says, who is so great a God as our God? And he created it by the word of God. And, and something more amazing is that I hold in my hand that word, that creative word of God. Now that's amazing, isn't it? He created it by his word. Hebrews chapter 1 says that uh, Jesus Christ is the one that spoke those words in Hebrews 1, verse 1 through 3. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed hour of all things, by whom also he made the worlds who be in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, the one who walked upon this earth in a fleshly body, the one who ate and slept and, and talked with his disciples, that is the creator of all this. The Bible said he created the worlds. By him, he created the worlds. Now in John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. The Bible said Jesus Christ created all this. Now turn to Colossians 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So the Bible teaches very clearly that Jesus Christ is the one that spoke those words that brought all this into existence. 
Not only did he create it, but by him do all things consist. He sustains his creation. Now that's a marvel that God sustains it. Brother Thomason was talking about in Sunday school uh, about uh, the throne of God and about the creation and the North Star and yet everything's moving and yet everything stays in its right orbit and and um, you can, uh, you talked about the scientists can predict the eclipse and all that because God is a God of stability and a God that uh, you can count on. He's a God of order. So he not only created it, but he sustains it. His creation. This is our God. The manner of his creation. Now Jesus, when he was upon this earth, proved that he was the creator, really. You remember when he was on the sea with his disciples and there came a great storm of wind and the Bible said the boat was full of water, yet the boat did not sink. That's amazing, isn't it? Uh, but if Jesus is in the boat, it won't sink. <laughs> he can defy the laws of nature. He can defy the laws of gravity. And, but anyway, he rebuked the storm. He spoke the word. And the wind immediately ceased. He showed by his word that he could command. They says, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? He could raise the dead. He could heal any kind of sickness among the people. He was very God indeed. And so there is the wonder of creation, the manner in which he created it, the marvel of it, of the creation. Is, is something that, that is marvelous, something that man could not design. Uh, you know, all man's done is abuse it, isn't it? I mean, you see the part that man hasn't touched. It's, it's beautiful, even with the curse of God upon it. And you see what man's done. It, uh, it, you know, it's not very pleasing in many cases. And so uh, the marvel of God's creation, I... I'm always amazed when I fly in an airplane. You know, we look at it from uh, the perspective of being down on earth, but when you get up there, it's, uh, it's quite amazing. I remember the first trip I ever took. Uh, I, I couldn't believe it. I, you know, when the airplane broke through the clouds and, and uh, it, it, was, it was amazing. You know, the sun still shines above the clouds. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe cloudy down here, but the sun's shining up there. And the vastness, and you don't see all the corruption and all the sin and all the filth. Uh, you're above all that. And it's, it's, it's quite amazing. Uh, I, I enjoy seeing the pictures that, uh, that they take from the shuttle and from outer space. Uh, you know the earth is different than, than anything else out there, isn't it? They talk about life on other planets. God put man on earth. The Bible said uh, Adam is the first man, and, and I believe that. But, but you can look at the earth from outer space, and it's completely different, isn't it? The picture of it. They show pictures of some of the other planets and the moon, and you can tell there's nothing there. We spend all these millions of dollars, you know. Uh, they say, we're trying to find, a, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, where the, the age of the universe, we're trying to find uh, where the earth came from and the Big Bang, and, and uh, we're trying to discover all that. Well, I could save this country a lot of money. Uh, I, you know, it tells us how it came. <laughs> it didn't, uh, no Big Bang and all this sort of thing. But the marvel of God's creation, the magnificence of it. The Bible said in Isaiah 45, 18, that he created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. He created it with a purpose. He formed it. He created it not in vain. God had a purpose in mind. And that purpose was man. That man would be created in the image and the likeness of God and bring glory and honor to the Lord. Of course, the problem is that instead of man bringing glory and honor to the Lord, he wants to bring glory and honor to himself. You know, the longer I live, the more I realize how selfish humanity really is, how self-centered man really is. Uh, you know, that's the, that's the basic sin nature, isn't it? That's the basic problem with man. Uh, that's, that's why we need to be saved and and even after we get saved, we struggle with this matter of self. Pleasing self. Something to make me happy. And, uh, but uh, the devil deceived Eve and Adam and Eve sinned and uh, says you should be as gods knowing good and evil. And that's man's basic problem is, is uh, pride and selfishness. Uh, but the Bible says that, that God created man for his glory. And so he created all this for man's benefit. I don't believe we're to worship trees. and You know, they call this New Agers, these tree huggers. Love a tree. <laughs> Love your mother. You ever see those signs? I haven't seen one lately. It used to be a, a billboard, uh, I think, between here and Asheville. I used to see, love your mother. They weren't talking about your physical mother. They talk about Mother Earth. And uh, they're talking about this new age religion. And, and again, I don't believe you ought to uh, abuse the earth. I think we ought to take care of it. We've got to live here. And I'm not, I'm not for pollution, but at the same time, the earth is here for man's benefit and man's well-being. I used to know a lady... She, uh, she thought I was a terrible thing to cut down a tree that wasn't dead. That was, that's bad. Shouldn't cut that tree. That, that tree's alive. Hurt that tree's feelings. But uh, trees are there for man's benefit. Uh, God put them here, and they're a renewable resource. That's the one thing about a tree. You cut it down, but you can plant another one. Even from that root will come forth another tree. And so it renews itself. And if you didn't cut some trees down, we'd, uh, most, you know, most of our houses, I'd say, are built out of wood, aren't they? A great deal of them. And if they wanted some trees cut down somewhere, we'd, uh, we'd really be in trouble. But the magnificence of creation, the, the wonder, thou art the God that doeth wonders. This is our God. Who is a God, he said, so great as our God? He's the God of creation. Look around. Uh, you know, Psalm 19. Let's just turn there a little bit. Psalm 19. We don't have anywhere to go but home. 
Psalm 19 and uh, page 607, Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day into day utter speech, and night into night showeth knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circling the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. He's talking about these stars and the sun, and day in the day of speech, and night in the night showeth knowledge. And Romans 1 tells us that man is without excuse, because God has revealed himself in creation. And I never cease to be amazed when I look up at the stars. And I know there's a God beyond the stars. And I get up on top of one of these mountains and look out over the, the valleys and the rolling hills. I'll tell you, I know there is a God. It testifies to the reality of our God. The wonder of creation. Not only that, but second of all, there's the wonder of conversion. There's another creation that the Bible talks about. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The wonder of conversion. Someone said it took more for God to, it takes more for God to save a soul, to bring about the new creation in the heart than it did for God to create the world. Because the Bible talks about in in Psalm 8, uh, when I consider thy heavens the work of thy fingers, that when God created the stars, all he had to do was move his fingers, really, so to speak, that God really had spoken into being and cast them out into outer space. And yet for God to save man, he had to die on the cross and rise from the dead. It cost God more to save you and I than it did for God to create the world. The wonder of conversion. I never cease to be amazed at the power of this book. You want to get someone saved, give them the Word of God. And uh, that's ultimately what I witness to people and visit in people's homes. The ultimate desire that I have is to get the Word of God to them because that's what does the job. It's not our knowledge. It's not our ability. Uh, you know, that's not what does the job. It's the Word of God. And I think that uh, many people have ended up with a false profession and they're trusting in a false hope uh, because they follow some personality or they follow some emotion. And I, I'm not against emotion. I like emotion. Uh, but emotion is a, a result, an effect of what God does in the heart, not the reverse. But people are trusting in some false hope rather than the Word of God. When I lead someone to Jesus Christ, I give them the Bible. And that's, the, in, by the way, isn't that, isn't that what really brings about the new birth? That's what the Bible says, isn't it? Jesus told Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 1 Peter 1, 23, being born again, not of crutchable seed, but of incrutchable by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. 
How are we born again? We're born again by the Word of God. And uh, you say, well, I didn't get born again that way. Then you're not born again. Because that's what does it. It's the Word of God that does the job. The wonder of conversion, uh, the salvation of souls is, is wonderful. I'd rather see that than anything. <laughs> I think next to getting saved yourself, seeing someone else saved is about the closest you can get to it. And it's a wonderful experience. And he's the God. He's the God that doeth wonders. His compassion. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves sinners. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know the amazing thing about it is that God doesn't demand anything of me except repentance and faith, except receive it. God doesn't say, you bring this, you bring that. Nothing in my hands I bring simply to thy cross I cling. O Lamb of God, I come. Aren't you glad you can come that way? Yeah, we have a world that's struggling over that. We have churches, multitudes of churches today that are having service are telling people some way other than what the Bible told them, tells them. Tell them, oh, if you'll, if you'll offer this, if you'll bring this gift, if you'll do this, you can persuade God to let you go to heaven. And it's a false hope, my friends. It's a false message. He's a God of love that loves sinners. You know, this creation of God, I think, you know, they talk about the vastness of creation. I was, I was listening to something in news. Uh, they were talking about the, uh, the moon, going to the moon. And it takes four days to get to the moon. And they're talking about going to the nearest star. And I forget how many million or billion times farther it is to the nearest star, besides the sun, that is, to the nearest star, how many more million or a billion, I can't remember which it said, times farther than it is to the moon. <laughs> and they, they, stars are so far away that they measure the distance in light years. Now, light travels about 186,000 miles a second. Now, that's moving on. You multiply how far they'd travel in a minute times 186,000 times 60, and you already got beyond what most calculators would take. <laughs> and then you times that uh, times an hour, 60 again, and then times 24, and then times 365 to fourth, and you have how far a light will go in a year. A long, long ways. And there's stars so far away. It takes millions of years for the light to get to the earth going that fast. And yet the Bible says that God is so concerned about man that he numbers the hairs of my head. You think of that. You think of a God that can keep up with all this. I heard one preacher talking that he not only knew the number, how many, how many there were, but he said he, he knew them by number. In other words, if 365 falls out, he knows that. I don't know about all that, but maybe so. 
But not a sparrow falls to the ground without he knows about it. He knows every detail of my life. And he's touched with a feminine of our infirmities. And there's never a trial or a trouble that I ever face in life. But what God is ready and he's not too busy to take care of my little need. I've heard people pray, Lord, I hate to bother you. You're not bothering God. You can't bother God. He's too big. <laughs> how can he can look after, after the whole universe is amazing to me and how God would love me and die for me. Yet he is a God of love, a God of compassion. He's a God, the one of conversion, not only compassion but conviction, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says when the Holy Spirit has come, he'll reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And that conviction of God, that, that knowledge of, of being lost, and that, that troubled heart, that convicting power of God, we still need that to get the job done. And then the wonder of conversion, the changed life, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, already gave you. Nicodemus, Jesus talked to Nicodemus and says, you've got to be born again. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can't enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born. And Jesus says, it's like the wind. You hear the sound thereof, but you can't see it. But you hear it. You know, that's how you get saved, isn't it? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You say, oh, I know I'm saved because I, I saw a big vision in the sky. You don't get saved that way. You're saved by hearing, not by what you see. You're saved by what you hear, according to the Bible, according to this book. That's what we have to go by, right? Faith, for by grace are you saved through faith? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? You have to hear something, don't you? You have to hear the word of God. The wonder of conversion. wonder of changed lives. I could stand here today and give you testimony of lives that I've seen God change. We had a, I was pastor and maiden, we had a man and his wife was driving, driving by one Sunday, kind of a strange situation. Came in and got saved. I found out that he was the county drunk, or one of the county drunks anyway. But uh, he told his wife, says, we're going to church. He told me, he said, I tried to get drunk, couldn't get drunk. And I said, where are we going? I don't know. We'll find somewhere. So they just got in the car and started driving. And they came by our church, said, let's just stop here. Well, God was in all that, see. I'm glad they didn't stop at some liberal church, told them, you know, just do the best you can, you'll make it. I mean, they stopped at a church where they could hear the gospel and be saved. He went home, poured his liquor out, poured all of it out, was a changed man. I was working at that time, pastoring also, and I told a fellow, I said, you know, you know this man? Oh, said, I know him. Said, he'd never been worth nothing. He never done nothing but drink and party and fight and cuss. Said that man will never change. 
But he was wrong. He did change. Well, God changed him. That's the difference. You know those that God changes are changed for good. You know that? When the Lord does the work, he does it right. The wonder of conversion. Let me go on. I've got to hurry and close. One, last one. The wonder of Christ's coming. The wonder of Christ's coming. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 said, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. The voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be the Lord. When the Lord comes in the rapture, he's not coming all the way to the earth. He's coming in the clouds. And we're going up to meet him. The wonder of Christ's coming. As I told you about flying on an airplane, if it's a cloudy day, you break through those clouds, it looks like mountains of snow as far as you can see. Accented by the beautiful blue sky. The wonder of Christ's coming. One of these days, Jesus is coming back. And we're going to go home to be with him. He's coming in the clouds. We shall rise to meet him in the air. Uh, there's a song, We Shall Behold Him. <laughs> and one of these days, we're going home. We're leaving this old world here below. We're going to be with Jesus. That's what I'm looking forward to. I remember the International Institute students sung that uh, several years ago now. And uh, they, they were singing that song. And they had fog or something, you know, that came out under them. And it, it had the appearance that they were, you know, they were above the clouds. I'll tell you, I just came unglued. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was an exciting time. The wonder of Christ's coming. But that's nothing compared to the real event. <laughs> the clouds to be changed into a glorified body. The older I get and the longer I live, the more I appreciate the fact I'm going to get a new body. Every week of my life, I deal with diseased and broken bodies. You would not believe the shape some folks I visit are in. And uh, it's just one thing right after another. Seemed like, well, you've been back and forth to Asheville for a couple of weeks with this individual, and you think, well, it'll, you know, things are going to let up a little bit, and then it's someone else takes their place, and that's that's the history. That's our hope. To be changed into a glorified body and to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That's what I'm looking forward to. And if it wasn't, if it wasn't for that, I'd really be depressed. This world's depressing enough, even with the hope. But I'll tell you, if we did not have hope, the Bible says we'd be of all men most miserable. We didn't have hope in Christ. We didn't have a better day to look forward to. What would life be like? Be miserable. But we do have hope. Thank God. The Bible says here, He is a God that doeth wonders.
Who is so great a God as our God? There's none. I'm glad of that. Let's bow our heads, please.